You're listening to the Two Button Crew Podcast. We're back. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by Glenn. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm doing well, and how are you? I'm great. Going to talk about one of your favorite games, is that right? Uh, yeah, a little cult classic series. Uh, it hasn't really gotten much traction here in the West, and we haven't seen a new game in quite some time, uh, Custom Robo. Yeah, I love Custom Robo. I first found it. Hi, ho, everyone. I what? am Nathan Blake. And wait, wait, wait. Where am I? Whoa, what? Nathan Blake. Who yes. are you, and how'd you get in here? <laughs> That's an excellent question, and I wish I had an answer for you. But you know, normally this isn't how these sorts of things work. Usually, I I start playing a game or something and shout that sort of thing. But this time, it seems like I've just stumbled into uh, some sort of podcast or something. Wow. Huh. I'm pretty sure you like Custom Robo. Would you help us out with this show? Oh, yes, of course. I, I would, yes. That must have been what summoned me here, was talk of Custom Robo. <laughs> it's one of those speak of the devil kind of things, huh? Yes. <laughs> like Beetlejuice or, or Bloody Mary, you know, you, you say Custom Robo enough times in front of a camera and I'll just burst into the room. <laughs> I've seen some of your playthroughs of Custom Robo on your channel, Nathan Blake Games. I'm still scratching my head how you came up with that name for the channel, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's actually kind of humorous because it's actually uh, my first name is actually Nathaniel, not Nathan, and my last name is actually Roberts, not Blake. Uh, my middle name is Blake. So, believe it or not, there was a little bit of work coming up with the name, but uh, yeah, I, I just thought Nathan Blake flowed better than Nathaniel Blake or Nathaniel Roberts. <laughs> yeah, that works. That sounds good to me. Yeah, it's it's very snappy. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about custom robo nathan in general well i really really love uh custom robo i've played uh the one on the gamecube and the one on the ds arena both of those and uh, they were super super awesome i've always wanted to try playing uh like the one on the n64 back in the day but uh that's <laughs> not really a good way of doing that but yeah they're really awesome games with a lot of uh, a lot of quirkiness and uh, a lot of customization go figure yeah <laughs> And some Robos, if I remember right. Yep. Uh, so for anyone who's not familiar with the series, which I wouldn't blame you, it's been like over 10 years since the last one came out. Uh, basically, uh, custom Robos are these little, like, what are they, like 8 to 12 inch tall robots? Yeah. And um, they have uh, all of these different parts, guns, bombs, uh, pods, which are like little missiles that are attached to their backs leg parts and then the robot itself and you combine these they all have different abilities and you combine them and fight them against each other it, it's very reminiscent of all of those toy brands that came out in like the early to mid 2000s like that was just you know it's kind of like metabots i guess yeah mm -hmm. isn't it also reminiscent of just pokemon like people <clears throat> having these little creatures that they battle against each other yeah, for sure. The, actually, I think uh, I was reading that the, the creators, actually, the inspiration for it was legitimately that they wished that they could play as their toys whenever they were kids. And so they were like, wait, let's make a game like that. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So, Glenn, how about the premise, story-wise, of this series? Well, as best as I can tell, the games don't really have... Um, a, a unified story. Uh, I the first two might because I think the second one is a sequel to the first one on the N sixty four. That is, 
But basically, uh, it, the way these usually go is that you, uh, you're like the new kid in school. You get your first robots, like some sort of hand-me-down or whatever. And uh, you, you know, you make friends with like a custom robo club filled with other people who are terrible at it, and you slowly, basically, team carry them to uh, to start them. And somewhere along the way, you fight Team Rocket. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you do. I actually wasn't aware. I gotta confess, not aware of the N64 origins. I just played custom robot on gamecube i got the ds game but it's kind of like the animal crossing situation right Mm -hmm. where japan got one except animal crossing that we got on gamecube was literally the n64 game but in japan they had a unique original custom robo game right yes they they actually there were three before uh they came over here to the states so there were two for the n64 and one for the game boy advance so can you guys tell me about those uh, well, I've never played them. I have seen a little bit about them. <laughs> they uh, have, like... Honestly, I, I can't say much other than what the screenshots look like, and it looks like kind of mid-tier N64 games. Uh, the Overworld was blurry N64 uh, sprites, and then uh, the Robo models seem pretty simplistic. And a lot, yeah. a lot cuter than uh, what we have in the for the uh, ones that made it to the States. Yeah, the the combat seems like it's pretty similar in those ones, too. Still trying to fight the other robots down from 1,000 in the, the little arena areas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So so what we have in the States really is just kind of a uh, better version of those, but obviously we don't get the story, which is kind of the sad part. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I do believe that there is um, a, an English patch for the game, a fan-made English patch for at least the first one. So, you know, if you know, if you want to like yeah. find the ROM somewhere, <laughs> can I get that loaded onto an N64 cart and actually run it in my N64 cuz I I can do that with some things. <laughs> uh yeah, if you have a flash cart, you probably could. I w- I would wait for an N64 Classic edition, then that's going to become a lot easier to hack. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> I suppose they probably would do that eventually. I'm looking forward to the GameCube classic. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. How do you Seriously. make the GameCube even smaller? <laughs> <laughs> you make it so it's just the handle that you carry around and all the games are loaded onto the handle. <laughs> that was my favorite thing about the, the Nintendo uh, like E3 announcements. Or, or it might have been a Direct, I can't remember, but on the Switch when they were actually talking about what the Switch was going to be like. Yep. And they were like... We've taken something from every console we've had, like this from the Nintendo, and this from the Super Nintendo, and the handle from the GameCube. So, speaking of the GameCube, should we get into Custom Robo Battle Revolution? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's a good uh, segue. Well, it was until you pointed it out, Glenn. Thanks a lot, buddy. Oh, Shmarmy. I'm sorry. Did I did I swarm it? Yeah, you shmarmified that smooth transition. Wait, okay. did you say something about shawarma? I, I go for shawarma. <laughs> <laughs> well, I played Custom Robo first in a Walmart, and it was back when they used to have the TVs. I was trying to tell this story when some hooligan YouTuber rudely interrupted me, but uh, you, you, <laughs> had, 
you had to crane your neck at like a 90 degree angle to look up at those TVs above the case of all the games. But it was so worth it because Custom Robo was revolutionary to me at that time because I've only been a, a, a Nintendo fan. So I know that there were games that looked that good and that you could take that seriously as a kid on other consoles but that was really one of the first ones for me like it, it just seemed more of an adult game than nintendo's other offerings so that was that was pretty attractive and uh I, the opening cinematic is very memorable that's what sticks out to me the most about seeing that in walmart even more than playing the game was they did an amazing pre-rendered opening cinematic on that game. Yeah. I, I find that pre-rendered opening cinematic kind of strange because um, if you look at the, the design for the uh, Ray Zero One, you know, that's that's like the first one you get. It's the poster boy for the that particular game. Um, the like the shoulders and just a bunch of little details are way off. <laughs> like oh. he has this ridiculously ornate shoulders where you have like these kind of loops that don't seem to serve any purpose. If, if you like go look at the end game model and look at the the pre rendered things, you'll see what I'm talking about. So it's like, mm-hmm. huh? I wonder when in production these these were made. It's pretty common though, in general, mm-hmm. for for illustrations and stuff like that to not necessarily reflect what's what's. So like the cover of a book, they'll they'll have some blonde haired kid on there, and then you'll get into the game, and they talk about him having like dark hair, and you're like, what is up with this? You know. Like, <laughs> artistic license that's what that's what authors that i've asked about that say the artist has license but so that ruined it for you huh glenn no no it, um i didn't even <laughs> notice that for years and to be honest i prefer the end game model because like i said the it just looks kind of ridiculous over overly designed you know sort of sort of like modern final fantasy <laughs> in a way <laughs> But it's a custom... Buckles and things all over all their clothes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you got your chest belt and your bicep belts and all that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a custom robo, Glenn. Couldn't, couldn't it just be different parts that get swapped out all the time? There, there are no shoulder parts, to my knowledge, but... Okay, okay. Who knows? Maybe maybe there are. And they they're, just... they're pods that wrap around the shoulders, you know? <laughs> okay. But yeah, my, my introduction to the series is much like uh, Scott's. Just switch out Walmart for Target, and uh, you're you're good. <laughs> my introduction was uh, a friend had. Of course, I had seen it. Uh, like the case in game stores and stuff looked pretty neat, um, just from seeing the cover. But uh, a friend actually had. He bought his GameCube, and it actually came with some sort of GameCube demo disc, and so it just had the just the multiplayer from custom robo on it and i was like this is pretty neat this seems pretty cool and so uh years later like probably two years later uh on a valentine's day and i and this is going to be getting into some of my own own past and stuff but i was always bummed out on valentine's days because my dad was always get like flowers and chocolates for my mom and my sisters but you know boys just didn't get anything oh yeah. And so, eventually, whenever I, I'm the youngest of three boys, three brothers, uh, I, whenever my brothers and I kind of mentioned this, my mom was like, okay, well, we'll give you, like, $10 or something like that on Valentine's Day and you <laughs> buy something. And Best Buy was having a big sale, and they had Custom Robo on super, super on sale, and so that's Whoa. when I got it. 
bought it for like ten bucks, and uh, and it was you know brand new copy, and it, it wasn't that long after Custom Robo had come out. It was just a really weird random sale, and uh, oh. it was an amazing game. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good deal too. Do you feel guilty like you need to go send a donation to the developers now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know if. If uh, I can just contribute to the the enjoyment of Custom Robo by getting yeah. more people interested in it, then I think that that'll be me doing my part, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so sort of a brand ambassador, huh? Yeah, just a, a brand ambassador. And that's actually like... Uh, uh, live streams on my on my channel. I generally, uh, especially right at first, and I, I kind of got out of the habit of live streaming more recently. But uh, it, the kind of the idea was, you know, like Tuesdays I'd be playing the new hit popular games, and Thursdays I'd be playing like games from my childhood that I really love that I wish more people talked about. So mm-hmm. I, I played Earthbound, and then I played Custom Robo and things like that. So, well, and. Let's talk about. Let's get into the gameplay because this game has pretty unique gameplays, as far as I remember. I mean, there's the the overworld stuff, which mm-hmm. is you know take it or leave it. But once you get into yeah. the battles, that's that's really where the fun starts. And I like how because the two enemies they are always facing each other, right? Just like a fighting game, or so it's like fighting game mechanics. It feels like that to me, but it's more of an arena shooter i don't know what genre is this game yeah it's definitely hard to hard to explain but i think saying it's a cross-up between a fighting game and arena shooter is pretty accurate um you know it's one of those things where the overworld stuff and the fact that battles are like a separate game mode from exploring the overworld would lead you to think uh most people would conclude oh this is an rpg but you know, there's yeah. really not a whole lot going on in the overworld that you would associate with RPG games, other than lots of talking and, you know, walking around in an overworld and looking for fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it is definitely a difficult sort of thing to explain. There was a series of uh, arcade games that Sega had back in the day that were like you crawl into a cockpit with uh, two joysticks and play as a robot in an arena but from like a first person perspective uh, would so would it be virtual on i think so yeah and so it's it's kind of like those but from an overhead perspective instead of the first first person so whatever that thing was called yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah as far as the overall goes yeah it does definitely have kind of an rpg feel just because i mean whenever you think about like older classic rpgs like like uh final fantasy games or earthbound or something like that like jrpgs you know there's a lot of just wander around talk to people that's pretty much it (laughs) but i i remember liking that too because this game had a pretty cool story the the stakes were high the world was unique the characters they all had really uh, memorable personalities and i mean what was the main character like though because i'm i'm having trouble remembering like for some reason i keep thinking of the pokemon coliseum main character but was, uh, wasn't it similar yeah they they both I'm wore like um, a, a blue jacket and had gray hair if i'm not mistaken okay yeah and and some red accents whereas the main main character mm-hmm. of custom robots his pants are completely red but the the uh 
Pokemon Coliseum dude, he had like red trim around his jacket and things like that, if I remember correctly. Although it's been a long time since I played that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I can't say that the main character. You know, I, I'd say that there is a lot kind of just left to project yourself onto, but he actually did mm-hmm. have speaking roles, and that's something I, I appreciate in games, is when they let the main character speak, because I, mm-hmm. I actually find it a little bit easier to relate to someone who's, um, you know, happy or sad based on certain stimuli. <laughs> Wait, you mean yes. it feels more natural to have a conversation when the person is actually talking back instead of they're just being dead space like they didn't say anything? <laughs> yeah, they're just like wall-eyed and <laughs> moving their hands. That's, that's ridiculous. How dare you insinuate that? <laughs> well, I mean, if, if they did what the Mario did in Super Mario RPG where he just went on this like really elaborate pantomime, that might... That might <laughs> Get me to like <laughs> some yeah. of the protagonists. Uh, I mean, unless it's a game where you can actually like choose your responses to something, which actually Custom yeah. Robo let you do, uh, yeah. and that's something I appreciate. Uh, yeah, there were... You can see what your character is saying. Then, yeah, I, I don't really like silent protagonists. Yeah, I think the only silent protagonist I've ever really liked uh, is, is Link, obviously, as as the the number one OG silent protagonist. And then Gordon Freeman from Half-Life. He's, he's always a fun one. But <laughs> So what else did you guys think about the presentation of Custom Robo? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think uh, the characters... Um, I, I really like the character designs. It has... Um, I, I do think it, it looks very mid-2000s. Um, reminds me kind of a lot of uh, Zoids, if any of you remember mm. that. Oh yeah, like the old Zoids cartoons. Yeah, it's, it definitely has a very Zoidsy sort of feel, especially even like just costumes, like uh-huh. even seems sort of similar. The uh, so I definitely get that. Yeah, it's a very anime, like two thousands anime style in everything, which which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And uh, I thought that that you know each character had a very like colorful and very like unique appearance, except for the two who are actually twins that you don't realize they're twins until later on. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing is that I actually like the fact that if you look at them, you can tell which one is which, but because they're yeah. like uh, mirror images of they're each other. They're mirror twins. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like the the you know they wear a dress with like a high slit on the side or whatever you call that, yeah. and it's like on mm-hmm. opposite sides for each one, and then. When you realize there's two of them, it's like, oh, duh. Why didn't I yeah. notice that their clothes were different? <laughs> yep. I really remember being compelled by the villain. It, he seemed like a very dangerous threat, and it reminds me of like SAX, where every time you encounter the villain, it's very scary. And I liked how he kept changing over each appearance as well. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed, too, that the, the villain actually made, you know, like in Pokemon, it doesn't make any sense that everyone is, is basically doing dogfights to get to so- settle all their disputes. In Custom Robo, they at least have the conceit near the end where they're like, yeah, this is how we ended up using these little robots is, you know, basically this this alien being thing just latched onto one of these little robots and we were like well this is a lot less dangerous than him latching onto <laughs> nuclear missiles so let's yep. do this now <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah I, and I do appreciate the fact that they actually try to explain it um, yeah. you know it, like Scott said if you've ever read Brawl in the Family there's this um, Brawl in the Family where this guy's talking this Team Rocket guy catches Red 
uh, sneaking into the base, and he's talking about, you know, you know what I have to do now? He's reaching for a revolver and then switches at the last second to a Pokeball, and he's like, leave my Pokemon! And only if you beat me do you get to loot our entire base and dismantle the operation. Go Ratata! <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, they actually do... It is a fairly well-thought-out story, I'd say. So, uh, basically, I guess we haven't actually said what the story is. So, this game is like 15, 20 years old, so spoiler alert. Um, so, the main character, a long time ago, promised his dad he would um, uh, become a commander. That is, someone who uses custom robo. And despite this, he somehow made it into young adulthood knowing absolutely nothing about custom robo. <laughs> So he he joins a uh, a group of mercenaries, which are kind of like private detectives, I guess, to you know fulfill his father's uh, last wish before his father mysteriously disappeared. And uh, it, it goes on from there, but you know it, it starts out kind of just like how most of these stories would in like a, an anime that's designed to sell toys, kind of like Beyblade or Bakugan, where it's just fighting various people and doing jobs for your uh, your boss and then eventually we introduce this this robo that seems to be operating without a um, a person controlling it and we eventually find out that that thing's kind of like a cosmic horror thing some sort of alien being and that's one of the things what do you think of that that they never really explain where he came from well, he's basically the Cthulhu of this world, yeah. in a nutshell. He's he's Cthulhu if Cthulhu accidentally got tr- trapped in a child's toy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Blowing my mind. Which I think is a, a very reasonable way of, of explaining how you can have Cthulhu in your world and still defeat him. Because, I mean, Cthulhu ceases to be Cthulhu if you can beat him. But, yeah. Huh. But it is he is it is a really good way of being like no this thing is like super scary and really dangerous um, but it just so happens that we got lucky and we can actually fight him on kind of an equal playing field now because he doesn't really the one thing that's obviously not Cthulhu about him is that he seems to be more of just a like mindless thing that just wants destruction more or less and so it just kind of latched on to this and you know they they set this thing up and you fight the uh you know and you find out that various groups are trying to um capture and control this thing and they kind of set it up like oh this is some sort of prototype we've already spoiled it but they kind of set it up like oh this is some sort of prototype robo that you know is just very destructive and you uh find out no this thing is a cosmic horror and guess what this is a post-apocalyptic setting yeah. yeah, and they just they just <laughs> drop that on you out of nowhere, and it's um, probably one of my favorite reveals in any game ever. And that, you know, they they have a little bit of buildup, and then it's just like, oh, by the way, it, uh, you know, is the world round or flat? And you, of course, say, well, duh, it's round, and everyone just <laughs> looks at you like you're crazy, and then you're like, wait, what's going on? And I think you actually commented on that. That's a very brilliant way to set up that something's not right. Yeah, I I really enjoy that, that that's the way that they revealed it. And I also love in games when they take uh, the like the the confines that they have for themselves because you know they can't they can't make an infinite game. You know you can't make a game the size of the actual world. Um, so 
So they kind of put you in this little pin, and you just assume as you're playing the game, well, this is just how RPGs are. You know, sometimes you're just kind of yep. in a in a, a small area, and you just play it out here. And then for at the end of the game, for them to straight up be like, well, it turns out this pin you're in is just that. It's a pin, and you can go out. And that is super interesting to me, and, and a great way to reveal of them being like, hey, it's not actually... Uh, just the limitations of this game that put you in this little circle. It's actually the world that is just a circle now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it really makes me... Um, and Like, all the trees are artificial, and you don't even notice this when you're first playing. You just think it's like, oh, this is stylistic, that the grass is kind of has a plasticky look. I mean, again, GameCube game. Yeah, of course the grass mm-hmm. is going to look like plastic. And then they tell you, no, all the trees, they're artificial. They're, they used to be like actual living beings like us. And the you know the grass is fake too and all that and you know I have to wonder you know the first thing that went through my mind is what do they eat? <laughs> is this a Sawyer uh, Green situation? No 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 Maybe. it's probably a Star Trek situation. Okay. What about uh, Pop Tarts? Oh yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, yep. I suppose you could <laughs> subsist on cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> they probably survive mostly on pop tarts and spam because all of that is never going to go bad. Like that cruise boat that ran out of gas or crashed or whatever. Wasn't that their entire diet? Did you hear about that? I no. did not. Yeah, it was literally pop tarts and spam. I thought you were referencing that. No, I was just thinking about <laughs> food that could last for forever because it's already that bad, and spam was the first thing that came to mind. Yep. Yeah. This for whatever reason, this crew, cruise boat was stranded, and helicopters came and dropped boxes of pop tarts and spam. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> So, but yeah, so, um, and you know, the story eventually concludes with you beating it. So what, what, what do you think of some of the themes there? Because, uh, one of the things I kind of noticed is there's, there's this sort of this notion of, you know, cause there is this government conspiracy to keep this stuff hidden, uh, and this, this notion of, well, how much information should the government give people? And is it better to keep the people feeling safe and comfortable or let them know what's actually going on? Yeah, they definitely like really try to to play that theme pr- pretty hard, and I think uh, you know they they definitely err on the side of well, protect the people from information, um, which I think is probably a little bit more has to do with like the culture that it comes out of. You know, like like in general in America, we're all like, oh man, well we should be free, i.e. we should have all the information at our disposal, and we should be able to decide for ourselves how we're going to handle the situation but they they do make a point in the game of being like no at the end of the day you have to protect people from information that might hurt them and i think that comes from from the you know the japanese background of of them just in general being more in in control uh especially in in years past obviously Uh, you know they're a little more free now than they were in previous centuries but but in general japanese culture has been more controlled and so for them you know this idea of well yeah you just give give the populace the information that they really need and otherwise they don't need to know about it and we'll just protect them from it is is a foreign thing for us here, I think. <laughs> uh, well, huh? It's weird. I got the opposite impression from, and maybe it's just because I'm an American. And I'm a, you know, projecting my own views onto it. But um, it seemed like the, you know, the heroes 
seemed pretty miffed about the whole thing. And then by the end of the game, the, the government says, well, you know what, we've thought about it and we really do need to uh, to fess up. Because like in the grand battle, the, the after story mode, the epilogue, mm-hmm. uh, they, they actually do reveal that information. And uh, I think they, they explicitly state, yeah, the people don't really trust us anymore, so we're just going to... Uh, I mean, in the short term, that's not going to make the people trust you more, but... Because, <laughs> like, you've been lying. <laughs> hey, guys, we've been lying to you! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did forget that the, at the very, very end they do kind of reveal it, but whenever the f- reveal first comes out, yeah. they do really try to hit it home with you, and your characters even finally do kind of agree with the you know the protagonists eventually agree with the government and say yeah you know what it probably is good for people to not realize this i seem I to recall it being more like uh i don't know how to feel about this but i'm going to get arrested if i talk about it so yeah sure <laughs> we'll do it your way so it's like yeah i can kind of see where you're coming from but i i still ha- i'm still kind of in shock but yeah. hey, you know, when you don't have voice acting, you, everything is up for interpretation. So it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and before we move on from story, you got to plug your blog from oh July yeah, twenty ninth. So I uh, I actually wrote an article on like the ethical dilemmas of custom robo, and so in the grand battle, uh, one of the things that really bugged me, and it, it was actually my brother who pointed this out to me, is that. Um, you, you, there's a memory erasing device. It's a big plot point, and it's it's actually hidden in the protagonist's watch. It's one of those things that his father stole and then uh, gave to his son to keep, you know, to keep it out of other people's hands. And so you find out that they used that on um, on the like members of the criminal syndicates uh, and to like rehabilitate, you know, quote unquote rehabilitate them. And so now they're playing actors in this museum, like this interactive museum. Uh, pretending to be, you know, playing the part of the villains that they once were. I, I pointed out that that's kind of messed up. Like, was was that voluntary? Because you just robbed <laughs> cruel and unusual of, punishment. Yeah, you just rob someone of their uh, identity and then tell them it's their job to peddle your version of the events. And these people, you know, they they the like the syndicate was originally um, created to figure out what to do with this information because that's like the the hero's father who i think this is another reason why i interpreted it as like you know the government was ultimately wrong on this is that the hero's father started this whole organization based around the concept of okay we now know that there's something you know there's more out there and we need to and he's kind of portrayed as a heroic figure mm-hmm. although the 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 syndicates became totally yeah. evil. <laughs> yeah, they became totally corrupt, and they like. There's actually it started out as one group, and they kind of split apart because they had different people who wanted to be in charge, which was an interesting dynamic. Because you find out that there's this Z syndicate uh, group of people, and then you find out, oh no, they're they're actually like two or three teams within the Z, you know the umbrella term of the Z syndicate, but. Um, I, I just found that like really disturbing. Is just like, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna wipe your memory, and now it's your job to tell your version, or uh, tell our version of the story to people. Yeah, that is that's pretty shady. I, I think ethically, that's that's pretty far out there. I, I I don't even think that's necessarily a moral gray area. I think that's just kind of like, uh, wow, that's kind of an evil thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So 
Custom Robo is, you know, people like to point out how disturbing Nintendo settings can be. Uh, and it's just like, oh, you know, Nintendo loves its post-apocalyptica for some reason. Have you ever noticed that? Like, Pikmin? Um, yeah. Custom yep. Robo? Uh, I think it's just because it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, I, Custom Robo is probably, like, for the GameCube, is probably the most disturbing setting for any <laughs> Nintendo game I've ever played. Just because about, you have all ahead. of this weird stuff with the government, and it's like, oh, we've we've changed, and then you come across this thing, and you know, no one re- reacts to it in the game, but you you yourself think about it, and it's like, you haven't changed a bit. You're worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> one one last thing before we move on to the mm-hmm. next ta- topic, just because I thought about this while we were talking fan theory, main character actually was taught a whole bunch about custom robos when he was younger but the watch is slowly leeching out memory loss to him so he doesn't remember any of it but it's still part of his person which is why he's such a natural but obviously a moron about custom robos i like that that's that's actually Whoa. pretty good or maybe he also was just why fiddling he never it with it as a kid it's like what does this yeah. man do <laughs> oh <laughs> right and also why he couldn't really hold down a, a job before that point in his life he just wouldn't he just had short-term memory loss get up in the day and he'd just be like what should i do to get today i don't know that's eh, whatever you know i don't remember <laughs> he keeps forgetting to set his alarm in the morning and that's why he sleeps in <laughs> yep. Yep. wow that should, would next actually time I play this game Yes, next time I play this game, I'm going to be looking out for this and see if it holds water. <laughs> oh, I love it. Let us know what you find. That's so interesting. So, I don't remember the music in this game. Is it worth going and finding the soundtrack for this? Uh, it, it's a lot of techno, but for yeah, especially like some, the battles. But Yeah, it's some good, good techno music, and there's some cheery tunes whenever they're walking around town and stuff like that. Nothing, like, super amazing to write home about but it's definitely not like overly generic or anything there's some pretty good themes in there that you're like yeah. oh man this is my jams you know yeah, it has a definite uh, definite identity uh I, I disagree with you i think there's some really standouts um standout pieces uh what's the one like the forest of nostalgia uh it's it's a theme that pl- uh, kind of plays when you're learning about the past and uh, it, it's very tense it's very eerie and it does a very good job of conveying that and then like the as uh, Nathan said the walking around town theme. Um, I just love that music. Um, oh, and hey, here's here's a fun fact about the music, is that there's actually a lot of unused tracks in the game that people have found by digging through the files. So you can actually go on on they're on YouTube. Um, I think the channel that posted them is called Custom Robo Videos. Go figure. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> yeah, go check those out. Some of them are actually really good. It's like, why didn't you use this? Yeah, that does sound like like it's a. It, there's there are some some songs in it too. Now that I really think about it, that like really set the tone for what you're doing really well. Probably some of the creepier moments in the game would be nothing without the soundtrack yeah. at the time. <laughs> and then when when you're about to get in a fight and it's like uh, you're on the customization screen and it's like uh, you know it starts with yeah. that drum roll and then da 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 da. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So you mentioned graphics earlier and the plastic grass and stuff like that. Do you think that how this game ended up looking was 
the vision of the artists or do you think that some of it was gamecube limitations and then they retroactively came up with the story reasons probably i'd say they came up with like a loose idea for the story and then said okay yeah and this makes sense because the gamecube has you know these weird graphics and yeah i'm trying to think does the gamecube yeah i think the gamecube has pixel shading so that's not really mm-hmm. what i was about to say doesn't really apply but yeah um, I, I think it's one of those things where maybe they just said, okay, we can save time. If we make this a plot point, we can save time. Yeah. I, I think that uh, it's likely that they did take some of the limitations in into account. Uh, you know, yeah, like putting all of... Size. Exactly, yeah. Putting all of the information that they had to put on there, uh, especially for the small discs that the GameCube had, you know, you're thinking about all of the customizable parts, and you're thinking about, you know, like, all the different uh, battle, uh, like, arenas and stuff like that. There's a lot of data and information there. And uh, Nintendo has always been really good at using, like, their... You know, oh well, we 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 can't put a lot on here, so we'll use the clouds for the bushes. You know, like like yeah. that sort of stuff. So, I think it probably did play into some of their decision making when they were like, I don't think we can build a very big world for us to be in or put much detail into it. And there, I I I wouldn't be surprised if they said, well, what if that's part of the story is that the world's not very big and we can we can work with that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it's something that even it makes the game I love it when they do that because it makes the game where it's not dated whenever you go back and play it again and you see the fact that you're in this dome and you can't see that there's not a skybox you know there's not a skybox and you can't see off into the distance and you're like man this game is like really tiny and then yep. you remember wait no that's part of the storyline and that's the <laughs> the same feeling I got from uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played Bioshock 1 you know Ooh, oh, I, whoa, I that's on my to-do like, list man that's on my on your to-do list. list? Okay. <laughs> well, like, I literally have a to-do list of games, and that was one of the okay. next ones I was going to get to. All right. I'm sorry. So I, I won't spoil it. You're fine. Uh, okay. I, won't, I won't actually spoil anything, but but whenever I first started playing it, I played it a couple years after the fact, and I felt like it was pretty railroady. Mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, they had, like, tied oh, okay. that. I actually, I know what you're talking about. I, and I was yeah. like, that's super cool that they made the fact that this is, like, an early 2000s shooter that has like waypoints like actually part of the story Mm -hmm. um and so it's the same thing those those are the reveals at the end of games where they're like hey you know all these things that made you kind of like think maybe this game wasn't all that well it was all that because that was part (laughs) of the storyline that's cool (laughs) yes absolutely so before we move on from the gamecube title uh nathan having played it recently would you say it holds up uh in the modern day it really does yeah it's it's stylized graphics and so uh you know i would love to see an hd custom robo game for sure oh, but most this, it's still yeah. good um i, I and will then, admit some aspects of like the visuals haven't aged well like the character models are kind of you know they do that thing where their fingers don't actually move and yeah. you know some, some of the animations are a little goofy because <laughs> they'll like lift their arms up and stuff I think that's yeah. the first time I noticed that breathing cycles in animations typically look really weird in games because, yeah, they like <laughs> sway around like drunks. <laughs> yep. Uh, I wish this was a video podcast. Nathan's reenacting everything. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I have trouble not thinking uh, thinking about the fact that this is only audio because no worries. We I have trouble with that too. Like um, you know, I've sometimes when we uh, someone mentions you know, Glenn, you could do something on your smartphone. I, I do this and I hold up my my not smartphone in front of the, the <laughs> web camera, and then I have to tell people you you can't see it because this is an audio podcast. But I'm holding up my not smartphone. But you just use that in addition to your iPhone, right? Like one is for work, one is... No, no. that's your phone. Okay. No. All right, so let's talk about Custom Robo Arena, which is the the DS sequel to the GameCube game. I've played it. Anybody not played it? Uh, I've played it. I've played it. So okay, great. I'm surprised. I didn't realize we all played it. That's. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say I played it. I probably got about an hour into it and then i saw it like hey this is pokemon and it doesn't look as cool as the gamecube game and i kind of fizzled out on it ah that's yeah. so unfortunate because really? that's what it that's what it seems like on the surface but it actually the combat is still amazing especially for a ds game like oh, okay <laughs> is it 3d like you can is it the arena yeah combat is still in the arena yeah, still, it's 3D, still 3d graphics all the customizable parts it's still wonderful Hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say actually, the, there's some gla- graphical flourishes in this game that make it that set it apart from the GameCube game. Because one of the first things I notice is that when you like shoot someone and slam them into a wall, there's actually now an animation of the Robo like getting pinned to the wall and. Mm. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, well, in the previous game, they just did their backwards falling animation, so they just sort of looked like they were floating. It, yeah, that always did look weird. You're right. Now, is it, if correct me if I'm wrong, this one it also had that if you landed with your cube, like each part of your cube was actually that part of the robot. So the right, top was yeah. the head and the bottom was the feet and stuff. So you were actually trying to get your cube also to land on its feet so you would be standing. Yeah, because no. if you landed on its that's head, the thing, its is head in would the first be game, in the ground. Yeah, that was a <laughs> gameplay difference, and I guess we didn't mention yeah. that in the first game. You you uh, in all the games you get to aim this cannon and fire. Uh, and so you kind of get to choose where you start on the map, and that's useful. You know, you can start close to your enemy, but that's risky because if they can get out before you do, excuse me, if they can get out before you do, then they get a free hit on you. But if you can get, out, you know, or you can just t- play it safe and go to the exact opposite end of the arena. And the yeah, and it depends game, on your loadout too. Like you yeah. might have a good up close gun, or maybe you want to just snipe at your enemy and start farther away. Yeah, exactly. So there, there is a lot of strategy to the gameplay, which I guess we never really got uh, super... I mean, of course there's strategy in like, um, how you customize, but there's also... Yeah. I guess you would call it tactics and how you conduct the battle. Yeah. Uh, but the first custom robo, uh, what, what I've been trying to get at, is that it just had a timer on your cube, and that was it. And so, and the timer would just cycle through. And sometimes you just got a bad timer. Here, it actually, you're landing on a different part of your body. So the, each part of the cube relates to a, uh, a body part. You know, it's laid out logically. So the, the left Tops arm is opposite of the right arm and the feet are opposite of the head and all that. And depending on how you land is how your robo is uh, oriented. And it, it was actually really funny. Like if you land on your head, there'd be like the robo would like have to pull its head out of the ground. <laughs> his head would be in the ground, and you'd actually have to like tap A to get him to pull his head out yeah. of the ground so he could stand up. It was great. <laughs> yeah, so wow. just little things like that gave it a little bit more personality, at least in terms of the battles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What else made this game different? Um, 
it was much. I would I would not hesitate to call this one an RPG. Yeah, you know, the first it's definitely one, RPG. Yeah, the first one, uh, the, for, or sorry, the GameCube one, the first one we got, uh, you know, it's kind of an RPG in the same sense that Paper Mario Sticker Star is an RPG, and that it's not. Um, <laughs> it, it's more like an adventure game with. Uh, sorry, that one took me a second. That was good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. But yeah, it, it, this one has a lot more RPG elements. For instance, like there's even like robo upkeep, like after yeah. battles, you like actually pull out your robo, and with the t- touch screen stylus, you actually like polish the parts of him. And if you don't keep him up up to like well polished, he won't perform as well in combat. And yeah, and you have like adorable. a super gauge, but it takes several fights to build up. Um, okay, and you have money. So instead, in the first game, basically everything's handled to you. I guess it's a, spo- uh, a post scarcity uh, world uh, in the GameCube game, but in uh, the DS game, you actually have to buy your robo parts, which is actually nice because you know in uh, Battle Revolution, the GameCube game, it was always kind of irritating because you just got a very slow drip of parts and you got them yeah. in a set order. Here, it's like every time you reach a new part of town and you find a new store, it's like, oh, hey, I can just buy these in whatever order I want. Right, yeah, which is which is really cool and important, especially for a customizable game, because I, I find myself when I play Battle Revolutions on the GameCube, like, being like, man, I can't wait until I get this robot and these parts, but you just don't have access to that, and so it, like, completely blocks you out of entire strategies. So, like, mm-hmm. one of my main strategies huh. that I used was pick the smallest fastest robot and then put the fastest feet on it and then put the strongest up close weapon in the game you can get on it and you just do like drive-bys just sprinting past your opponent shoot him in the face with a shotgun and keep running it's really cool but you can only do it in the last fourth of custom robo for the gamecube because you don't get any of those parts until the end of the game whereas in arena on the ds like, like glenn was saying you can purchase your parts and so yeah you, you know you might not be able to find the exact parts you want but you can tailor your customization for do i want to be faster and on the move or do i want to be like sturdy and and standing fast you know and stuff like that uh or way earlier on nice yeah. and also they they uh include this interesting feature called dioramas so on your customization screen in the first game it's just like this wireframe background sort of like how a lot of fighting games have this wireframe test level i think even yep. smash brothers is getting that now um <clears throat> pretty well yeah pretty like a grid um but the uh battle uh no arena arena had it so that you uh you could buy these dioramas and pose your robo in them yeah and some of them were pretty wacky you know mm-hmm. so it, it was uh it, it added a little bit pers- more personality if you fought someone else you could see their diorama and a lot of the characters had them so you you got this like this huh. extra layer of per- personality because yeah. you know some some characters would like have their robo uh riding on the back of a tyrannosaurus rex in the diorama when you're, like, viewing their parts right before the fight, because, you know, when you get in a fight, they let you see what parts uh, your opponent has so that you can kind of strategize around it. It's sort of like how in Pokemon they tell you, oh, your opponent's going to send out, you know, such and such Pokemon. Do you want to swap yours? But, yeah. Yeah, and 
And the cool part too is that that part is like if if that's something you're into, you do it, and if you're not, then you just leave it alone and you just play the game, you know. So it's like completely <laughs> optional, optional, but it does add like character to the game. Yeah. And that was actually one of the really uh, the the touchscreen gave you a lot of control over that, so you could pose your robos in uh, a lot of different ways, like me photos. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kinda. Mm. <laughs> How how would you say the presentation compares to GameCube as far as music and graphics? So, while I think the gameplay slightly hedges out the GameCube game, I would say that the presentation, in my opinion, is really what hinders it. Because, the like you said, it looks like Pokemon. Um, really, it, I, I made a, an offhand comment about like Bakugan and uh, Beyblade or whatever those, you know, 30-minute toy commercials, so to speak. Um, the graph, mm-hmm. the, like the characters' designs, really look like they were lifted from that that genre, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's they very do. Like, it's very two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, but the the hand drawn, uh, or I, I don't know the necessarily hand drawn, but the hand drawn look of like their actual like uh, you know characters when you're actually talking to them, you know, like when when text is being displayed and the characters up on the screen. Some of those are pretty cool. I felt like I felt like those actually age better than than the character models from the GameCube one do, obviously, because you know they're just they're just nice drawings as opposed to you mm. know yeah. early two thousands polygons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my, my issue with those is that uh, the the style is wow. is just kind of it, it and and the story in general is just more um, it, you know less adult I guess yeah it's definitely Yu Gi Oh season two where everybody's suddenly in a, a Yu Gi Oh school for some reason and you're just like <laughs> why okay sure yeah. Um, but that makes me really excited for the custom robo equivalent of Yu-Gi-Oh on motorcycles because that eventually happened too. Yeah, there you go. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh boy. What would that be like? Some sort of crossover between Mock Rider or something? Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Or maybe there you're just flying in your custom robo who is a full-size jet plane transformer and it's just transformers i lied it's transformers yeah well that's definitely something we should give kids is, uh fighter jets yes uh so i i would say you know of course the graphics are going to be downscaled because the ds didn't have as good of graphics as the in uh, not the n64 the uh the gamecube um uh, but again, like I think they they did enough stylistically with like the 3D polygons to make it, you know, where it it somehow looks better in motion than the the original yeah. did. Definitely, um, I might have to check it out again. I mean, it's hard to turn on the 3DS for anything, let alone an original DS game. But you guys are making a good case for it. Yeah, it's it's really good. And, you know, it definitely it has a little bit more of the uh, the oh you're you're kind of the the kid and you're you're gonna save everybody sort of thing by fighting a way through a tournament and all this jazz. Yeah, and I'd say the um, characters are, are a little bit less interesting. So it, yeah. it definitely ha- is more leaning into like the Pokemon side of things. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Still an enjoyable experience, and if you enjoy being the ace in a in an anime story, then then that is definitely where you're going to end up because it's yeah. just a constant. You beat everyone, and everyone's constantly like, "How is he so amazing?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just what happens to me in real life. So maybe I don't have to play this game yeah. to get that. So, uh, 
what what else um what what was your favorite robo because the weird thing is uh in like the ds game i found and you can't get this until like the the epilogue so it's kind of bums me out in that sense but i found that uh by the end of it i was still using the ray zero one (laughs) yeah that's the thing uh and maybe that and that's the same for me so maybe that's actually a shortcoming or maybe the ray is just really really cool in that game but i just definitely felt like i enjoyed using the ray more in like i said in uh in battle revolution on the on the gamecube i would like try to find like my favorite bot is actually swift who's this Mm -hmm. this tiny short little girl in a pink dress uh and she's just insanely fast and so i used her like for the entirety of the game after I got her, um, but in yeah, in, in Arena, I just continued to use Ray for most of the game. So maybe yeah, I just like the balance. That's the thing is in it. Arena, there's actually like a few different Ray models, uh, and uh, that's the thing I found is that you know I you start with like the Ray Mark II, then you go to the Ray Mark III due to plot reasons, like your mm-hmm. robot gets kind of busted up. Um. And, but at the post game, you you know, as a shout out to the the GameCube game, there is the Ray Zero One, and I liked it just because its stats were kind of like it's well balanced, but leaning more towards tanky, mm-hmm. and um, its dash is actually really good because the Ray Zero One each one has like a, a separate dash attack for those of you who haven't played the game. So some of them like do a somersault through the air or whatever. And the GameCube game, the Ray Zero One's dash attack was kind, was cool, but kind of impractical because it had this long build up and then this swift, uh, just rocketing forward. This one, it just moves forward. It just does a shoulder tackle, and it, it works. Has really no charge. Well. Yeah, <laughs> and I really like that. They they gave yeah. the lame one to the the Ray Mark Three. I don't remember what the Ray Mark Threes was like. It was the Ray Zero Ones from the the GameCube. Oh, game. okay. I was okay with 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 the GameCube Rays. I but but mine my tactic was almost always get them on the ground and then just tackle them like over and over again. Yeah. Well, th- don't get me wrong. I still use the tackle for the Ray Zero One in the GameCube game, and I I certainly love using it as a finishing move. You know, yep. it's it's very anime. You know, it's like oh yeah, you got to do that. <laughs> you know, you, you like get your stance forward and then zip forward. My my only regret with that is that the he would always turn to face his opponent as the results screen went on, and it's like no, you you don't look at your opponent; they're dead. Don't look at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's not anime. It's not anime yep. to look at them after they're dead, <laughs> unless they're going on a long diatribe about how this is all their father's fault or something. Yeah. In fact, in anime, you're supposed to let them get away on accident by assuming that they're dead whenever they were, in fact, not dead, and there's way too much smoke, and you should know because there's too much smoke. (laughs) I imparted that knowledge to my wife, and humorously now, every time there's an explosion on on anime, she's like, there's too much smoke! They're still there! (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's physically impossible for someone to die when they're breathing smoke. It's like a restorative element. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. the smoke will clear, and they'll always be doing the cross guard. Okay, we're we're getting kind of uh, a little bit off topic. What y'all think of what? the music? Us? So the music in the DS game, uh, interestingly, it, it like leaned more towards um, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I think it had a couple of pretty good ditties, and it didn't get repetitive, which is good for a handheld game, because um, mm-hmm. obviously they just have less space for music uh, on handheld games usually, and so they can get pretty repetitive. But I don't remember, and it's been 
uh, quite a few more years since I played Arena than since mm-hmm. I played Battle Revolution. So, so, so bear that in mind. But I don't remember there being any that I was like, "Oh man, I am gonna listen to this <laughs> when I get up in the morning, just on the soundtrack." You know, the, like. the only one I really remember liking. I okay, I think there are two. I liked the ending theme. I thought that was good, and I liked the. Um, I really liked the. Not even the whole thing. It was like the bridge or the refrain. I don't know music terminology, but for the uh, the town theme, I think it was the term is the beep boop. Yes, the beep boop is definitely uh-huh. what you're looking for. That's the yeah. technical term that we use. <laughs> so, and it, it uh, kind of has like I don't know, like an organ or bells or something. I, I just remember his intro. I like weird instrumentation where it's like, hey, here's a rock song, but we're going to throw a, a like an acoustic piano in it. Oh, yeah. Anytime rock fuses with any other type of music, I am all on board. <laughs> yeah. But it, cool. it didn't do that. It, it, was, it, it didn't do that a whole lot in that game. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot of the, really it's that I think the the first game had a more eclectic soundtrack where they were using sort of like um, some of it sounded like smooth jazz, some of it was like techno, some of it was kind of orchestral, and this game it is like no rock, rock and roll, yo. Well, yeah, we want to get the American audience with this school. one. Yeah, we're supposed to be teenagers in school. Fighting with robots, listening to rock music, you know, being kids and being American. That's right. Kids in America, man. Uh, so, story-wise, is this game a sequel? No, no. no it's, it's not connected, not, not at a, least. Um, yeah, it may the be only a connection is the, the only <laughs> connection is the Ray. The, the, the fact that there is a Ray marks, marks something in Ray both Ray 01. And is the only thing that that uh, that connects yeah. it. So well, no, it, it can't be a prequel. Like I was thinking, maybe it's a prequel. Like you know, a thousand no. years before Rahu showed up and destroyed the world. But no, it right. can't be because the Ray Zero One's there, and the Ray Zero One was a prototype in the GameCube and game. You're so using the Ray Mark Two and Mark Three in in Arena. Obviously, that means that it, it came afterwards, unless it's just an Easter egg. So either huh. they they really expanded the dome, or <laughs> I think they fixed the world eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do we know? Do we know why the main character from the GameCube game passed the Robo on to the new main character? Like the fact that he gets the O one later on. Yeah. No, I think you're just like handed it by. Just find it. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't All think right. you even buy it. You just like someone at uh, the lab or something is like, "Hey, we're working on this. Here, you can have it. You can have our prototype." Yeah. You know, it's okay. not like we need to take that to board meetings or anything. It's a lot more of an Easter egg than yeah, anything else. Yeah. Like I said, you have to beat the game to get it. So. See, that kind of bugs me when developers don't connect their games. Like I've been thinking about it a lot for Image Informs titles, the indie developers that make. SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld mm-hmm. Dig 2 and SteamWorld Heist and SteamWorld Tower, I think it's called. SteamWorld Defense, actually. Hmm. They're all different main characters, even SteamWorld Dig 1 to 2. And it's like, I don't think you can build as much of a fan base when 
the character changes every game. I know. <laughs> I mean, there was there was this this indie game that I played at one point. It was called like uh, Final Something, and every single iteration, uh, different group of people, and everything was completely different. It was Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's right. Glenn, <laughs> I think you you reminded me with your weird cough, but yeah, every single game, different characters, different settings. One of the more successful game franchises. Okay, I, all I right. Do, uh, I do. I do agree it? with it's you like that I enjoy something it. Also does that. <laughs> I I do enjoy games that are connected, like like through line stories and sequels and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I I'm actually there with you, but it is it is yeah. definitely true that uh, Final Fantasy, a series which uh, numbering system is completely insane and makes no sense, uh, and none of the games are ever connected unless they are, and then they're terrible. Yeah. You know. It's <laughs> what are you playing? <laughs> I'm playing Final Fantasy X too. <laughs> Another example of one that's terrible. <laughs> makes, hey, look, makes more sense than the Kingdom Hearts naming conventions. It's that. That is true. Yeah. Uh, oof, oof. Well, we do unrelated, have to move on. Uh, un- but... Unrelated, but Scott, have you played Octopath Traveler? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the main spread. character changes in that game eight times. Doesn't even need a sequel to change main characters. Well, we do have to move on. But do you guys want to note anything about the story of this DS game first? I think the only thing I want to say is that it's not a very memorable story. Because yeah, I think it, it's, it's it's very safe. It, it, it yeah. just kind of goes through the checklist. Um, I do remember there were points where, you know, they, they I don't know how, maybe it's just because I was like 15 at the time, but they did a really good job of like selling the fact that you are the ace in an anime setting. And I remember yeah. feeling good about that, but... Yeah. Um, I, I I definitely enjoyed the story as I played it. It's not it's not like a bad story by any means. It's just years later thinking back, I'm like I think I mostly just fought in a lot of tournaments, and then sure. the government kind of ended up needing my help with something near the end because I was really good at fighting in tournaments. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. the story. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of how the story for the first game went? It's just well, the you first were, game had a twist. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing: in the first one, you were ostensibly the police force because there was a police force but they made a point in the game and this was a very interesting part of the story that I didn't realize until the last time that I played through it was the police had stopped doing almost everything that they didn't deem like national security so basically the police force had become basically the FBI or something or the CIA whereas these random private investigator sort of people had to be started being hired out to do like handle domestic disputes is something you do in the game is you go to a house and break up a domestic dispute and you're just kind of like why are the police not here and someone straight up says oh they didn't think it was a big enough deal and it's like what husbands and wives beating each other up because they're using their custom robos to fight so this Whoa. is and that yeah, and that actually like knocks you unconscious yeah. so this is their equivalent of a husband and wife like actually beating each other and the police are like eh, not a big deal wow you you as a private detective have to go take care of it so it is a little different in that you are you are basically joined the police yeah. force well, and you're working as an adult in the, in the gamecube one yeah. so and there was lore yeah, and there was there was a lot of lore. Um, whereas obviously the the DS one, uh, although very fun, and I enjoyed the story, like Glenn says, makes you feel good about being the ace, and it makes sense and everything. 
you're definitely a kid fighting in tournaments with toy yeah. robots. And also, <laughs> if you've played the GameCube one, a lot of the story beats are similar. Like, you have a girl who has a big brother who's never around, and she doesn't, like, have parents or anything, which happens in the GameCube game, but it's less interesting here because you don't really examine that sort. You know, she she's a lot more well-adjusted. Well, the one in the GameCube game, uh, Marcia or Marcia, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, is like almost has. I think it's pronounced like, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Markia. Anyway, so yeah. Markia is like has this really uh, crippling codependency thing going on, which is interesting. But uh, Liv, I think, was her name. Uh, you know, it's just kind of fine around. But you know, you have this girl who has like this special power um, that we don't fully understand, and then you're. Uh, male best friend, the the one with the glasses. They both have glasses, don't they? And like the GameCube and the DS one. No. No, uh, Harry had glasses, and whatever the other guy's name is, I don't remember what his name was. Like seriously, what was his name? <laughs> he had glasses. He had like shaggy brown hair that kind of was all over the place in calyx, and he had glasses. Ah, Harry does have glasses. I forgot about that. Boy, I, they're just so tiny. They're like yeah. tiny, and they're like right at the bottom. Yeah, I don't remember what your what your buddy in in Custom Robo yeah, Arena. Because name no is. one cares about him. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's like he speaks up, and everyone turns and looks at him. And was like, oh, oh, how long have you been here? <laughs> <laughs> We're really yeah, glad I'll, you're on the team, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> Although I, the main the. At least you do. Feel, I think was his name Marv. Was that was that who he was? Oh yeah, Marv know. actually does make an appearance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mar Marv is him. Yeah. So Liv. At, at least I did remember that Liv did make me feel like I was Dennis. That's his name. Just found it, Dennis. Oh that, that was yeah, your, Dennis. That was your goofy sidekick. But Liv definitely makes you feel like you're more part of the team and like actually people actually care about you more than uh characters in custom robo one did which is nice you know yeah. but well, custom, custom robo, robo one, one was also just a lot snarkier it was yeah yeah the, the humor was <laughs> genuinely good and i think part of that is that the main character actually reacted to things like he had these like bit the sort of chibi crying face uh for yeah. the text box and i oh, i love that that yeah, I seem to recall actually some of the like some of the some of the text boxes for the main character were changed slightly. But all right, boys, as uh, compelling as text boxes are, <laughs> what would you like to see for the future of the series? It's been how many years since the last game? Way too uh, many. Arena. Arena came out after I moved to Oklahoma, so it had to have been sometime after 2006 so it would have been like 2007 2008 so it's been yeah it's been 10 years i showed 2006 october 19th for the initial release yeah Hmm. although maybe that's the japanese release date or something yeah that that may be the japanese release date uh let's see uh release for north america march 19th 2007 so yeah so just Uh, yeah that would have been uh very shortly after i moved so yeah okay i have a feeling that this is going to be a very hopeful conversation because Nintendo doesn't really talk about Custom Robo very much or acknowledge it. Well, I but... seem to recall an interview with the like the guy who is the lead director for uh, the series, basic, and he basically said, "Oh yeah, we haven't made any just because we don't know what to do with it." Come on. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would love to see uh, it come out on this on the Switch and it be like, you know, it, it even seems like something they would want to do because like this idea of like having your robo on your console and then taking it to your friend's house and then linking up with their console and and you know, like battling that way seems like it would be really cool. Yeah. Yes. So I could totally see them doing that sort of thing uh, where you're basically building your own robot with parts that you have collected from all around. Uh, and, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of a push for games to be, like, more multiplayer now, but not couch co-op, obviously. So I could yeah. see them focusing less on the storyline, although I would love it if it had a really good storyline because that's one of the great things about Custom Robo, but more on, yeah, go fight other people and collect parts from fighting them and then build your robots and fight other people using those robots, you know, like... Yes. Yeah, I, I think a Switch game is, is uh, definitely a good option. Um, you know, maybe even just like a, a polished up port, like uh, Nathan said earlier. Um, yeah, I, I think I definitely like to see a Switch game. I think I would like to see it... Um, I would pr preferably like to see a new game in the series. You know, don't get me wrong, I love the GameCube game, but I, I would like to see a new one. I'd like to see it... I don't know if we really need it to be exactly the same in like tone as the GameCube game, but I would like to see it more in that direction. I think it would be. Yeah, if it was a little more mature and, you know, like lean into the HD graphics and the fact that everything looks really realistic now and everything, at least for the robots, you know, you can still have stylized main Oh yeah, you, you can't you can't get rid of the anime. I mean, this yeah. this is an inherently anime concept. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, it'd be weird if you were like seeing hyper-realistic, photorealistic people, you know, getting knocked out because their robot got shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, would you guys play some of the Japanese games if they were re-released in English somehow? Uh, in a uh, heartbeat. Of course. <laughs> I want to. What was that, Nathan? Yeah. Of course, I would. Yeah. Even if, even if it was just you know, sort of a virtual console sort of thing, like mm -hmm. with the mother when they finally re-released the mother in america on virtual console even if it was just like a hey here's just an english version of the n64 game we didn't do anything to make it look better or run better it's just there i'd still play it um now of course if they were like hey here's one of the japanese releases but it's in hd and it's basically a new game just the same story as it was back then then i'd be like okay i'm all for that <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah i mean i i would love that to uh, play more custom. I would love to have a new custom robo experience, even if it's somewhat older. Because to be honest, I, the games didn't really change that much between the GameCube and the DS. So I, I get the impression this is one of those if it ain't broke, don't fix it series. Mm. Well, I, here's my wish. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Sorry, uh, refinish. Go ahead. I, I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> My wish for the future of Custom Robo is actually a Smash Bros. character. I think I would get the most mileage out of that just because I love the Smash series and play it so much. I'm actually on my way to a tournament after this podcast recording. Oh, man. But, yeah. And technically that was the very first appearance of any Custom Robo anything, wasn't it? Wasn't it uh, uh, a trophy? Or no, that was right after yeah. the first one. Here, here in the yeah. States, the first... Uh, and that's actually... I think that's how Custom Robo got... Uh, localized as people saw the trophy in Melee, yeah. like the, the Ray Mark 1 or whatever, and said, that looks mm. cool. You can customize yeah. robots? I want to play that. You know, it's kind of a Fire Emblem situation. You know, they 
Sure. Uh, put uh, Marth and Smash Brothers, and then they decide to make an entire series of games based off of this one random character. Yep. <laughs> well, and now that we've got all of these like random characters that uh, I don't even, you know, is it Simon Belmont? Is he going to yeah. be in the next one now? And Victor like, Belmont. I mean, yeah, it's just like, what the heck? Okay, fine, <laughs> sure, that's that's okay. But, you know, it's like, once you're, like, starting to throw, like, random Konami characters and stuff in there on a regular basis, then why not uh, an actual Nintendo? I know, it. it's first party. I don't think people realize that Custom Robo is a first party game because... Well, maybe second party. I'm not really sure how to describe it because Nintendo does not own uh, Noise. Yeah. Yeah, they own Close the property enough. of Custom Robo, but they don't own... Uh, the company that made it, and their I mean, noise. they're um, willing to let it be a trophy. So I'm sure the developers would just be thrilled if it was playable. And I mean, it'd be so easy to make a move set for Ray. Oh yeah, yeah. easy. Um, He'd just be a little bit. I mean, you could even just do something kind of a little bit Samus-like, and everyone would be pretty happy with it. Just oh yeah, you do this, he drops a bomb. You do this, he shoots a missile. You do this, he shoots a beam. All right, we're all happy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I want the drill. Uh, that was my favorite attack, weapon, it, the drill yeah, gun. Like his smash attack could be like a charge or something, <laughs> or a charge could be a side B. You know, it's, yeah. There's just so much potential. He builds himself, basically, is what we're saying. Do it, Nintendo. Do it. Yeah, and his intro animation would just be like the cube being shot out of a cannon or something. Yep. And <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. like there's a there's a like a one in sixteen chance that he like lands heads down. I mean, what if that <laughs> gameplay it just would make his intro animation silly? Or that that could be one of his uh, one of his uh, uh, oh what's it called taunts? One of his taunts. He turns into a cube and then he comes out and his head stuck in the ground and he has to pull it out. You know? Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> And even for people who haven't played Custom Robo, I think it'd be a really fun and exciting-looking character yeah. to use. So I mean, th- This is what I- I've said, and people have said it before, is Nintendo, if you want a, a franchise to be successful, you just make them a character in Smash Brothers. Yep. Um, yep. Unless it's Ice Climber. Just quit pushing that on us. <laughs> I know, um, I know. But, so- you know, like... Uh, you know, I, I've said the same thing about another small robot from the GameCube era, Chibi Robo. Nintendo, if you want this series to succeed, just make Chibi put Chibi in Smash. Yep. So now that I got my Dark Samus wish, thank Sakurai. I'll I'll move on to asking for Ray. So yep. that's my plan. Yep. <laughs> I always always thought it'd be awesome if Chibi Robo made a cameo in Custom Robo because you know they're both like tiny robots. And tiny they, robots. Yeah. yeah, that would work. It may that would work out fine. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I ever even saw gameplay of Chibi Robo. Oh, uh, it's it's good. Like, hang on, let me show you how much I like Chibi Robo. <laughs> oh, Glenn. <laughs> I had unfortunately uh, a oh he's got actual Chibi Robo artwork. <laughs> oh, Glenn, nice. Yeah, That's so fantastic. I I have a picture of Chibi Robo hanging on my wall because uh, there was a. Um, for NF Magazine, back when they were on kit, uh, doing their subscriptions via Kickstarter, one of the re- uh, reward tiers was to have a commissioned piece of art, and it's like, yeah, best seventy dollars I ever spent. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably one of the saddest things about the GameCube era was that uh, the games never got cheaper ever, and so since I was younger and didn't have the money to buy games, like. I just didn't get to experience like half of the cool GameCube games because they're yeah. even still expensive to try yeah. to find. <laughs> I know I sold Melee for fifty dollars like last year. Yeah, yeah. I I actually recently sold the N sixty four Smash Brothers for like uh, 
thirty or something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those games are only going to get more valuable. People, it's kind of funny because you know we we kind of looked at it as like for instance when the Dreamcast came out and then it flopped. It was real cheap for a little while and you could get a hold of it pretty easily. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but but people I talked to had this opinion of you know a lot of those things were just gonna like continue to stay pretty cheap, go down in value because like who wants the Dreamcast, right? But because we never really got to experience because I mean really we're only in like the second or third generation of people who have really had games around we never got to like we don't have anything to gauge it against so it's just very clear oh old games equals they are worth a lot of money nowadays basically it's, it's just how it has worked out and we so didn't know that what that I, I guess Nathan is now. trying to say is if you want to play uh, custom robo sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a hold of it now, and it will be worth a lot more later on. After Custom Robo has been in a Smash Brothers game and becomes a famous, famous Woo-hoo! franchise. Yeah, go Ray Mock. Wait, which Mock would we have in there? All of uh, them. I would go Ray Different Zero costumes. One. I think Ray yeah. Zero One is the most recognizable to at least. Well, okay, I, I'm biased because I'm I'm a Westerner and I've only gotten two of the games, but I I feel like that's the one most people know, and it's it's made into multiple games oh yeah but if you can't play custom robo you can go watch some let's plays on the channel nathan blake games right what else can they see there um well you can see me doing a myriad of different things everything from uh let's plays to a few little skits here or there i've got a, a couple of goofy one of them's like an anime skit um that i did which i'm planning on continuing nice. uh i've i've got some uh some challenge sort of things, uh, stuff like that. I do stuff with my wife. I'm actually also going to eventually make a secondary channel, which is going to be doing mostly challenges. Um, but yeah, for now you can find uh, all of that uh, enjoyable content at Nathan Blake Games. Awesome, Glenn. How did you find this gentleman? Was uh, it Custom Robo? I well, um, I'm I actually uh, am friends with his wife. I I've known his wife Whoa. since college, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like that should have been a full disclosure thing at the very beginning of the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess I've, I've technically met Glenn a couple times in person, right? Glenn? Yeah, yeah, a couple times. We, uh, yeah. we never really spoke much until like the actual uh, I saw his Let's Play channel, and uh, I think uh-huh. the first video I saw was the Crazy Cow Simulator, where he just started uh, laughing so hard at his own uh, terrible <laughs> puns that he could barely breathe. <laughs> And you know, there's a point where it like it goes, it it does what's uh, sometimes called cl- crossing the line twice, where it's like, okay, yep. this is annoying, and, but he has he's having such a good time and so much enthusiasm, it loops back around <laughs> to endearing. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for for uh, enjoying my endearing annoyingness. That sounds like a really good one to check out. What was that one called? Uh, Crazy House Miller. Yeah. Crazy that's, that's one of the older okay. ones. That was like a year ago, I think. Yeah, almost. Yeah, and at this point, because well, probably not quite a year because uh, my channel will have its one year anniversary in a week. So oh, okay. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Well, thanks. And that's going to be long past by the time this podcast comes out. So. <laughs> <laughs> and after you guys have given Nathan Blake Games a subscription, head on over to Two Button Cruise channel and check out our live show where we stream each weekend, usually. And and by usually, I mean usually each weekend. And I also mean usually each week. 
so <laughs> we've done a that sentence went all kinds of crazy places <laughs> i don't have any idea what you're saying <laughs> we, at, at, the, uh, at the recording of this um this podcast scott has been um off duty for two weeks he went on a missions trip and prior to that you were on like a cruise or something well we did it right and did the cruise after the mission trip so after i got all dirty and sweaty and tired i got to go rest up so nice anyway check out our channel at two button crew where we have the weekly live show we stream a variety of nintendo content uh, brand new Switch games, old classic editions as well. Talk about the latest news. And you mentioned crazy numbering systems with Final Fantasy earlier. Mm-hmm. One of our latest videos is we gave subtitles to all the Mega Man games, which never had them before. So you can start. Actually, uh, <laughs> I, I think they do in Japan. Shh. <laughs> No, we made up. That's getting edited out. <laughs> we made we made new American subtitles. So okay. enjoy those. Okay. And you can find us on all social media at Two Button Crew. Nathan, you got social media as well. Yeah, you can find me at Nathan Blake Game because games was one letter too long. <laughs> and if you enjoyed this ad-free podcast you can support us on patreon and get exclusive content like weekly shows voting on what games we're going to play on switch and on nes and snes and get your name in the credits of all the videos that we produce that's at patreon.com slash two button crew thank you glenn for uh putting together this custom robo show ah sure thing and uh thank you uh mr nathan blake for uh uh, coming on to the show and uh, you know just injecting a lot of life into it with your your uh, usual uh, gusto and I hope <laughs> you I hope you figure out how to get home from <laughs> your... from from podcast world music. yeah <laughs> yeah thank you so much for having me on I had a lot of fun uh, I, I'd be willing to come on again any other time you guys wanted to talk about something that you think I might have some information about or if you wanted to talk to me and educate me on something else you know it's just whatever sure awesome yeah Yeah, we have a crazy we have a crazy cow simulator episode no we don't Um, (laughs) thank you very much and thanks everyone for listening to this episode we'll be back next month with another show see you then bye everybody bye bye